0: Episode 85, and we're here with Cassandra Cassandra Wilder from Utah, Um, the menstruation queen, (laughs) as she called herself. Why do you call yourself that?
1: You know, funny enough, I didn't give myself that name, but when Mm -hmm. I was teaching about all of this, people continued to say, like, it's like you're the the menstruation queen, right? You know more than most people about this stuff, and it's such a taboo subject. So mm-hmm. thank you for being so open and uh, vulnerable about this stuff. So it was given to me for the record. <laughs>
0: all right. All right. Sounds good. Sounds good. All right. I was wondering, all right. And how do you, uh, how do you study up on all of this?
1: Yeah, so I went to school to become a naturopathic doctor. Mm -hmm. And during that time, I was going with my through my own health issues. So I had irregular cycles, and I was having a hard time finding any predictability in my menstrual cycle. So I decided to do what many doctors do, and that is to be your own guinea pig. And so I started to dive more into hormone research into menstruation and started to realize there were large gaps in research around these studies. And so for example, most clinical trials, whether it's for a drug or exercise or nutrition, for the large majority of the participants, they leave out women of reproductive years. So they're either on men mm-hmm. or they're on postmenopausal women. And so it started to make sense why there's this veil of mysticism around hormone health and cyclical health because there's not a lot of research about it. There is some.
0: I'm, I'm sorry. Could you could you say that <laughs> slower? Because <laughs> you're telling me there's been no research on menstrual health or is it limited or what's the deal yeah yeah
1: Yeah. I sorry I get really excited so I talk
0: (laughs) (laughs) no no that no that's good you got to remember that you know as a disclaimer right before we continue on if you feel uncomfortable with this topic I mean sucks for you right (laughs) you know listen please you know please listen you know these things are important it's good to understand you know women it's good to understand men. It's good for us to understand each other so um, thank you for coming on (laughs) and (laughs) yeah so break it break it down for us Cassandra Cassandra. Yeah. Mm-hmm.
1: So there are some research studies on menstruation, but they're limited. So they're not nearly as, as um, there's not nearly as many as there would be, say, for men or testosterone levels. So there's always been this idea that women that are of reproductive years that have hormo- hormonal fluctuations and cyclical changes, they're just too unpredictable or too challenging to study, which isn't true. Mm-hmm. But because that belief has been there since the 60s,
0: all right. It just continues. What? Okay. So the scientific consensus that, or something like that, is that it's hard to predict. Isn't it easy to predict that it's once a month? Right. I don't know, Kassan. Yeah. <laughs>
1: and yeah. It's the same so thing
0: over and over and over again, from what I understand.
1: Right. <laughs> right. Well, so let me. Yeah. Let me go a little bit deeper. So when mm-hmm. we think of a woman's menstrual cycle, we just think of their period or that time of the month where they're mm-hmm. visibly on their cycle but there's three other distinct phases of the month that women go through where your hormones are doing massive changes, big ebbs and flows. Mm -hmm. And because of that, we think of women as unpredictable or moody or whatever, but most of that comes from an extreme side effect of a hormonal imbalance, Mm -hmm. which is very common for women. So our cycle is so much more complicated and more beautiful, in my opinion, than just a menstrual cycle. Women go through these big phases that men will go through equally, but in 24 hours. So a man goes through all these cycles in 24 hours. A woman goes through the same cycles in 28 to 30 days. And
0: what is the cycle? That.
1: Yeah. So for men, for example, (laughs) you run primarily on testosterone, right? Mm -hmm. And so in a day, you have all the testosterone you need is made in the night before while you sleep. So say you woke up at 5 a.m., and you did a big power workout. Maybe you did some intermittent fasting. Maybe you had a big keto breakfast or whatever. You did some sort of yeah. power morning routine, <laughs> right? The thing uh-huh. that ma- makes <laughs> most men feel really good. Mm-hmm. You go to work. You're super social. You're very productive. And then around 2, 3 p.m., your testosterone starts to drop. And so by the time you get home, by like 5 o'clock, what do many men want to do? They want to watch TV, right? <laughs> they want to relax. relax. Been, I see. They've been so busy. So in one day, you do mm-hmm. all of that, but our cycle is so much more spread out. It mm-hmm. takes us an entire month to go through all of that, so it's more mm-hmm. exaggerated. We have entire weeks where our energy levels are lower, I similar see. to you guys mm-hmm. wanting to rest on the couch. You feel <laughs> the same thing. I see. I
0: see. Uh huh. Uh huh. Mm-hmm. And other and times
1: of the month where we're mm-hmm. more productive and more social, and we really like being connected with other people. Isn't mm-hmm. that interesting?
0: It's so yeah. It's so under so. Wow. <laughs> All right, starting off, I'm just, you know, this is going to be a, a good episode. Um, um, so isn't this a problem for women? That if like, for me as a guy, I know that I'm kind of consistent, right? I've been consistent throughout a lot of my life. And and it's so, if you're a woman, <laughs> right, how do you deal with, or I don't know, right? If things are going up and down and your mood shifting, um, what do women do? I don't know. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Well,
1: it's such a good question. It's challenging because the world we live in is based around male productivity patterns. Mm -hmm. So like the nine to five or most of these very extreme diets or these workout routines, they are created for someone with male biology. And This is why a lot of women struggle in these settings over time where eventually Mm -hmm. they start to burn out or, you know, you see this a lot with like athletes, for example, that are doing very rigorous workout routines. That are working so against their own natural rhythms eventually it makes them very sick for women Mm. but that same workout routine for a man he'd be you know bulked up and super fit yeah
0: why is it working out for women how can that be like yeah
1: Mm. damaging It can be. Yes. For our hormones, especially if we're already in a taxed state, like many women are up to 85% of women have some sort of an underlying hormone imbalance. And so when you start to look at your full cycle, the four phases, and I can break that down in a moment, you realize there are times of the month when a really high intensity workout is going to nourish your body, is going to allow for, you know, lean muscle mass building and fat, um, fat loss and all of that. And there's other times of the month where it'll actually increase fat retention. It'll cause hormonal imbalances. Mm-hmm. So, mm-hmm. we're a little bit different and I mm-hmm. think we all have to like let go of this idea that it's inconvenient mm-hmm. to change throughout the month. We all have this vision that we need to yeah, be the like the same. You guys.
0: Other- <laughs> <laughs>
1: but we don't have to. We have our own amazing way.
0: Yeah, everyone can be their own person, right? <laughs> exactly. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Sounds good. All right. Um yeah, so Break it down. What are the four phases?
1: Okay. Mm -hmm. So the first phase of the month is the period. Mm -hmm. So when we're actually menstruating and bleeding, and Mm -hmm. that can range from three to seven days, it depends on the woman. And this is a time when our energy levels are the lowest. Mm -hmm. So our body naturally craves rest, naturally doesn't want to do anything very extroverted, The best time of the month to do very low impact exercises and to eat very nourishing hearty foods. So there's a lot of jokes, you know, that when women are on their period, right? They want chocolate and Mm -hmm. you might be a little moody and all of that. Um, Not necessarily true, (laughs) but we do have a natural desire to be Mm -hmm. alone and to take care of ourselves. I see. So Mm -hmm. in a relationship, for example, ideally Mm -hmm. the man or you know the partner would foster that.
0: To mm-hmm. some extent,
1: you know. So, mm-hmm. providing some sort of comforts would be, you know, if I can speak on behalf of all women, sure. I would say that would be okay. Nice. So, <laughs> okay. So, that's
0: like during like the first week after a period, usually moods are low, right?
1: During yep, during the period. Mm-hmm. Ah, during the
0: period. All right, mm-hmm. sounds good. Okay. Exactly. Mm-hmm. So then,
1: when their period stops, we mm-hmm. move into the follicular phase, and so our estrogen starts to increase, and everything's getting ready for us to get fertile, so that mm-hmm. we can potentially get pregnant, and so we start to feel coming out of our shell. It's kind of the, you could say the energy of spring in that we really, we feel this big difference. It's such a surge. It's hard to describe if you don't feel it.
0: No, I can't, I can't imagine. The thing is I really can't imagine. this. like, I, I hear sometimes women describe these things, but it's just uh-huh. like, it's really hard. Yeah. So what is the, yeah, what is uh, springtime?
1: Yeah. So we suddenly feel our energy levels go up. Our sociability goes up in our brain, a a researcher in 1996 found that our brain activates in different areas at different times of the month, depending on our cycle. And so, by the time, say, we reach ovulation, which is when we're fertile, we can actually get pregnant, Mm -hmm. the productivity and the social center of our brain activates, which is really interesting. So, our biology on a a chemical level is changing all month long. Like, how cool is that?
0: So, when it's time to, like, hatch the eggs or right? Women become more social and more bubbly. That's usually when, okay.
1: Exactly, I exactly. See. Mm-hmm. And so during this time too, biology is interesting. When a woman mm-hmm. is fertile, her lips become bigger, her eyes become bigger, her breasts become firmer. So it's kind of like peacocking in I that see. You know, biology <laughs> is trying to make mm-hmm. us look as beautiful as possible mm-hmm. because it knows that's our prime window. Mm-hmm. We can only get pregnant in a 24-hour period where the egg goes from the ovary into the fallopian tube. That's a pretty interesting fact. So
0: once a month yeah. for a 24-hour period but uh, okay Mm -hmm. there's
1: there's an asterisk here (laughs) Mm
0: -hmm.
1: but sperm Mm -hmm. can live in the body for five days i see Mm -hmm. and so that's what complicates it you guys Mm -hmm. make it harder for us
0: (laughs) (laughs) amazing all right sounds good so that's stage three three
1: yep then Mm -hmm. a really interesting thing happens when we finish ovulating Mm
0: -hmm.
1: i wish i could show you a chart here but your hormones do a complete nosedive and so they really drop down into our luteal phase yeah, We're in this phase, 10 to 14 days. It's the longest phase.
0: Um, yeah, yeah, Cassandra, here, you got to show me this here uh, for our viewers. <laughs> um, yeah. What should I look up here?
1: Okay. Um, mm-hmm. Type in monthly uh, menstrual cycle, I guess.
0: Mm-hmm. Oh, boy. <laughs> Yikes. All right. Don't For worry, You're going to get graphs. Don't yeah, worry. All right. Okay. Cool. 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 Just graphs here. Okay. All right. So how about right. the,
1: the one on the the middle left? This one? Uh, over one more. The left.
0: Yes. Cool. Awesome. All right here. Okay. But okay, see, okay, notice,
1: cool. notice mm-hmm. that ovulation phase. We just talked about that. And look at what the hormones do right after that little purple square is done. So do you see how your estrogen plummets? Yeah. Your LH plummets. Your FSH plummets. Uh-huh. So this is where people think of PMS or premenstrual syndrome or this being, yeah, being right. moody mm-hmm. or being really sensitive mm-hmm. or um, emotional or whatever. And we don't want to see any extremes. So if someone like truly feels like they can't function because of their PMS, then that's mm-hmm. a sign of a big hormone imbalance. So that's not normal. But it would be normal to feel a little more introverted than maybe you did at that ovulation time. And we have this hormone progesterone that green line that starts to surge right here as well so what that does is it starts to help us prepare for menstruation once again
0: i see so the first week a little more introverted right and then mm-hmm. more open socially and bubbly and then here's when yeah. things get hard so what are the what is a normal amount of mood fluctuation and what's like a lot, right? Like when mm-hmm. should women get like special care?
1: Good question. Mm-hmm. I usually say if it takes away from your normal quality of life, that's too much. So we're all gonna have days where we naturally feel a little more sappy mm-hmm. or maybe something bothers us more yeah, than it would at a different time. Exactly. Yeah. Mm-hmm. But if we feel like we, you know, get in a fight with our partner and we're crying for hours about it and we can't control it, that's like a sign of something deeper. There's something hormonally off. And what that probably is, is low progesterone.
0: I see. Yeah. I see. Okay. And then at that point, what do you do? Do you go like reach out for a doctor or are there special people that do this stuff? Mm-hmm.
1: Yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So there's lots of different approaches in that, like the modern medical system, the Western medicine system, I guess, the most common approach to this is to just put women on the birth control pill. And There's a lot I could say about this. I know you've seen. Yeah,
0: (laughs) tell us. Yeah, you can tell us all you want to (laughs) say.
1: Your your face said it all because innately you know that doesn't make any sense. Yeah. Right. right? (laughs) Like why would they do that? (laughs) Yeah. So you're thinking outside of the box. Thank you. Thank
0: you. Uh Mm -hmm.
1: Um, But you know, because like I said, there's not a ton of research in women's hormone health and menstruation. It's very common for that to, to be the Band-Aid approach. So we don't really know what's going on with your cycle. Something sounds like it's wrong. So we're going to give you this pill or this thing that's going to force you into an artificial cycle. And bon, you know, bon voyage, like, good luck. It's really interesting. You know what?
0: Wow. Wow. And it's like, I feel like, and we're in 2020, there should be better solutions than than that, I,
1: right? Yeah,
0: and I so agree. I believe you because you're the queen, but it's just that it's like... How come there hasn't been, how come there isn't that much research behind this? I, it's like half our population is women, <laughs> right? Can women make their own studies or I don't know, like what is
1: It is you slowly, know it's
0: taboo. all right, so it's happening yeah. now. Mm-hmm.
1: It's slowly getting better, yes. And then there's more and more people like me as a naturopathic doctor or we see a lot of integrative doctors where mm-hmm. rather than putting a band aid approach on this stuff, we do want to look deeper. So, you know, if someone came to me with severe PMS symptoms, I'd be looking at her cyclical history. I'd be mm-hmm. looking at boosting her progesterone, looking at the emotional layer of her health. So it's a lot more all encompassing, but unfortunately a lot of people don't have that experience. They go in looking for help and they are handed a birth control pill and the the deeper root cause is never addressed.
0: Mm-hmm. Okay. And um, what do you think is the deeper root cause in many of these? Yeah.
1: For a lot of people it is a hormone imbalance mm-hmm. and you know, with my clients, I see this every single day. And in fact, I even think it's almost like unless you're intentionally trying to not get a hormone imbalance, it's kind of inev- inevitable because of how stressful our world is, the food we eat.
0: The food we eat. All right. Tell us about stress. <laughs> tell us <laughs> about the food we eat and what other factors really, because I'm sure all those things play a lot, right? Mm-hmm.
1: They do. They do. Sleep. So. Mm-hmm every that's the thing and then Mm -hmm. when we think of how many of us right we get like six hours of sleep we eat crap we you know we're stressed exercise
0: we're locked at home all day
1: right right yeah Yeah. add in Mm -hmm. high 2020 yeah Mm -hmm. um and then we wonder why we feel terrible or why we feel overweight or why we feel like we just just feel yucky or our sex drive is zero this is so so common Mm -hmm. So there's a lot of things. I mean, cortisol is your stress hormone. So when you're stressed, your body releases cortisol to put you into that fight or flight, which would be helpful if you know, like a bear was trying to eat you. Right. But your brain can't differentiate between if it's a true life or death situation or just a really stressful day at work. You know, there's Mm -hmm. no immediate like true fear of life at work, but the response in your body is the same exact thing. So when cortisol starts to get out of imbalance, then we see our thyroid hormones go out of imbalance. And then we see our reproductive hormones start to change as well. So it's kind of like a, a pyramid, you can almost imagine. Mm-hmm. And once, once the first part goes out, yeah, it's kind of a domino effect. Yeah. So stress is one of the biggest things mm-hmm. um, that we have to start to look at differently in that, how are we living? Are we living in unison with our cycles? Or are we trying to force ourselves to fit a lifestyle that really doesn't work for most cyclical people. Mm -hmm. So that's part of it.
0: So how do you change your lifestyle?
1: So that's the million dollar question, right? (laughs) (laughs) You know what I, what I teach with my clients, Mm -hmm. is this system where you start to look at your cycle as a whole and you start to plug in your lifestyle to an extent into those phases so for someone like me as an entrepreneur i understand it's easier because i have more free agency of like Mm -hmm. when i do a podcast interview and when i see clients and so i'm not going to plug i'm not going to do that during my menstrual cycle for example that doesn't feel like a fit for me personally Mm -hmm. but i know that's different for people that are moms or people that work in the nine to five you don't have as much flexibility so it's about the little things you do and it's about taking care of your body slowing down self-care you know that's a hot word um as much as you can
0: Mm -hmm. i see yeah uh you're muted for cassandra yeah but um oh sounds good um yeah i i agree i think all of us should just slow down (laughs) i don't you know like it's it's rough rough but now these times are very like stressful times you know everyone's locked inside yeah um tell us about yeah you what what's the day of Cassandra like, like what <laughs> you could do I didn't ask mm-hmm.
1: yeah, well, I feel very lucky, but I also feel like I've made i've put in a lot of efforts into my lifestyle over the years to make it something that I truly feel works good for me, so I like to wake up slowly, my mornings are my favorite time of the day, so it's my time to have a really nice breakfast and make some tea or coffee or whatever. Um, and be really intentional so if i can i don't see clients before 11. that's just that's the life that i chose to make
0: okay wait (laughs) no hey whatever works for you right yeah your own boss that's what it's like to be an entrepreneur yeah
1: exactly exactly Mm -hmm. so then i'll see clients for three or four hours um, Mm -hmm. and i work with clients all over the world i have clients in australia new zealand and aruba and like Mm -hmm. everywhere you can imagine and so Mm -hmm. um, i connect with them give them some support may have a couple of podcast interviews I do at the end of the day or record something on my own podcast. Um, and then the evenings are when, again, I start to unwind. So depending on where I am in my cycle, it could be a workout, it could be a hike, it could be sitting on my butt and uh, you know, having a really slow intentional evening. But to me, when you start to look at your cycle and plug it into your normal life, a lot of the, a lot of the big stressors dissipate and it's really, really special.
0: Amazing. All right. Okay, cool. That's the day of the, the life of Cassandra. I know.
1: And see, it's, it's probably so different to like your life. Yeah. Because mm-hmm.
0: I'm zipping around, testosterone. <laughs> I'm zipping around doing my yeah. thing, jumping up and down. Exactly. That's funny. Mm-hmm. I yeah. guess. Yeah. To each their own. Right. Exactly. <laughs> Amazing. And um, yeah, it's all. All right. So I come from Middle Eastern background, right? Mm-hmm. Um, I'm a dude. (laughs) I don't have a sister. Right. These things are very taboo topics. Right. Um, First of all, why do you think these things are taboo? (laughs) Like, why is like, why is us talking about this such a huge or, you know, why is it taboo?
1: Oh, that's a deep question. Mm -hmm. I mean, I guess at the surface, we fear what we don't understand. Mm -hmm. And so because a lot of us were never immersed in this growing up, or, you know, it wasn't talked about, or maybe it was always hidden from us by our moms or other women in our lives. It just becomes something that's weird. We don't talk Mm -hmm. about it. And then the people that do talk about it probably have a derogatory perspective on it. You know, they say things like you're on the rag or, you know, things that are just terrible. Mm -hmm. Um, Very, (laughs) very disempowering. So, Mm -hmm. We fear what we don't understand. I mean, deeper than that, I think culturally and in, you know, certain religions, it has just been something that's not really talked about or maybe it comes back to that being sinful, you know. I mean, I I have more of a Christian background, so that's mm-hmm. at least where it comes from in Christianity. Yeah, but
0: it's health. <laughs> it's at the end of the day, right? It's that's, just like that's, that's, that's why it's thing. so strange to me now that I'm hearing all this and like hearing it from you, it's like it's so strange how like an essential part of every woman's health <laughs> is right. just like I don't know, not talked about or shied about or, yeah, Yeah. Mm -hmm.
1: it's, yeah, it's wild. And just like how you feel kind of in the dark about it, most women feel the same way. So Mm -hmm. when they start working with me, this is brand new to them, like literally, and they, they're 30, 40 years old.
0: Mm -hmm. I see. So let's take it back. When, (laughs) when do women start having these things? having
1: depends yeah Mm -hmm. so 12 to 14 would be the average uh, Mm -hmm. age but some women start earlier and some don't get it till they're more like 16
0: i see and how like important is that these girls get the right education or the right (laughs) right (laughs) Uh so
1: important yeah (laughs) especially if they could get an education that felt empowering Um, At least here in, you know, the U.S., we tend to get some little bits of information and that, Mm -hmm. like, you're going to have this thing and you're going to need to have these, like, products and things so that you don't have issues in public and, you know, but that's about it. And what Mm -hmm. if we could make it more of an empowering topic? You know, Mm -hmm. what if we could really show women that this doesn't have to be a... deterrent to your life this doesn't have to be something that holds you back and instead Mm -hmm. this is what makes you so amazing what would
0: you tell like a 13 14 year old girl right who's experiencing these Mm -hmm. things right now like what would you tell her Mm -hmm.
1: well i would welcome her first (laughs) first of all menarche is a big a big big thing and Mm -hmm. that's the first initiation into becoming um a woman and that was how many cultures celebrated it so I'm a big believer in that the first experience should be really special. So I've heard stories of like uh, the dads will buy their daughters flowers. Oh. And just like, <laughs> you know, my little baby's, you know, turning into a woman. How sweet is that? Like, that's mm-hmm. so easy. Or maybe the mom takes her out to lunch and just says, you know, like, congrats. I'm really happy for you. These little things that will forever imprint differently in her brain versus what many of us experienced, which was like, Oh, well, you better go get a pad, right? Like that. that's, that's the, the mm-hmm. extent of our welcoming. Mm-hmm. So what I say to these young women is that this really isn't an amazing thing. And when you start to recognize how your cycle works, you'll be set up for the rest of your life because you'll know your body's normal. And then you'll always know when something feels off. This is also the kind of tool that can be used as a birth control method. This is the kind of information that will allow you to not fall into the burnout to depletion exhaustion thing that many of us do. Like this is, this is a blueprint for a much easier life.
0: Amazing. Thank you. First mm-hmm. of all, for, you know, talking to all these women and helping out. Yeah. Um, <laughs> um, let's talk about burning out. Why do women go through burnout and amongst other things I've been noticing, I've been seeing trends that, a lot of anxieties building up young, amongst younger women, older women, right? Um, yeah. It's known that women suffer from depression four times that amount of the men, right? Yeah. Yeah. Um, what, is there a link between like hormonal health and emotional health from what you've Absolutely. seen? And can you tell us more about that?
1: Absolutely. So from what I see with my clients, that burnout thing comes from living so against our own innate cycles or feeling like we're that people pleaser or feeling like we're always trying to do something for other people and always Mm -hmm. putting ourselves last. The quality of wanting to care for others is the most beautiful quality of the feminine. We're natural Mm -hmm. nurturers typically, but it can go too far. And I think we can all think of a mom or an aunt or maybe us, and we give everything we've got and then feel terrible by the end of the day. But because we're not learning anything about our cycles, because we're not learning that we even have this this incredible biological clock inside of us, we don't have the the slightest understanding of how we can actually work with our bodies throughout the month. I see this with entrepreneurs. I see this with moms. And when we I know, I mean, I feel like a broken record here, but the more you plug your life into your monthly cycle, mm-hmm. the more the exhaustion, depletion, all of that goes away. That makes sense. <laughs> yeah, I mean, yeah. <laughs> the thing.
0: I don't know much about it, but it makes sense to me, yeah.
1: <laughs> well, that's mm-hmm. all, you know, mm-hmm. if it makes sense to you, we're doing good. <laughs> all
0: right, and yeah, let's talk about, like, other other, yeah, like, mental health. Do you think it's mostly because of, like, trying to, like, fight against, like, your natural body? Is that... Largely. Clouds, largely. Okay. largely.
1: Yeah. Mm-hmm. And it's also, especially this year, it's obviously been a really, really hard year. And mm-hmm. a lot of people um, move through life feeling like they are just supposed to check the boxes. Mm-hmm. Like they're told what success is supposed to be. Mm-hmm. Um, and very few people get the support to, to really understand what that means for them. So mm-hmm. I think with mental health, it's, it's so hard in that we're not getting the support that we need. And then also, I think a lot of us have these these deep deficiencies and and imbalances in our bodies, like a neurochemistry imbalance. And it just makes for the perfect storm, which is really sad.
0: Mm -hmm. Um, In your work, have you noticed anything this year, particularly with women's menstruation? Have there been any... I don't know. Oh my gosh! Because so, so women look back, you know, listening can be like, "Oh, wait, it's not just me," or "I don't know," right? Yeah, <laughs>
1: yeah. yeah. Well, like I talked about earlier, if your cortisol or your stress hormones out of balance, that mm-hmm. begins the, the the whole myriad of, of issues. And so, a lot of women this year have had very irregular periods, where they completely disappear for months. Some people have mm-hmm. had more extreme symptoms, where it's very heavy or very painful, very crampy. Um, But largely, it's been very delayed cycles or non-existent cycles for months at a time. And Mm -hmm. it's just been this year because of all the stress around us.
0: Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Yeah, Yeah. calm down, everyone. Please (laughs) relax the way you can. Find a way to think that makes you happy and really, (laughs) you know, stress is not worth it at the end of the day. It's really damaging to like every part of your health. Yeah, it's yep, true. Uh, let's talk about sleep since we're talking about right. Does sleep have any direct correlation with um, menstruation? From what you know,
1: hundred percent, hundred percent, yes. So your sleep patterns are really telling for your hormone health. So especially if um, I see this with some clients where they'll get kind of tired around seven or eight o'clock, but then that, they seem you know they feel like that's too early to go to bed, so they don't, <laughs> and then they wait till like ten or eleven. <laughs> And then they can't sleep. They're just like wide awake. They're so active and, you know, they're scrolling Facebook and they know they're going to have to wake up in five hours to go to work, but they just can't sleep. And that comes back again to that cortisol or that stress hormone being too high where we're literally wired um, to stay awake. So that's a big part of it. With sleep in general though, I mean, I'm, we all know the basic tenets of that, right? Like you want at least seven hours of sleep a night. and Everyone has their own norm of what they need. But here's another interesting thing. This is a new thing I've been researching. Blue light, like in light from our phones, our computers, our TVs, changes our hormones at nights. And so the worst thing we can do. Guys I know, too. Guys, guys too. too. Guys too. I know. So listen <laughs> up.
0: What? <laughs> all right. Tell us. Yeah, please. Uh-huh.
1: Yeah, so the worst thing we can do right before bed is scroll on our phone or mm-hmm. be watching a
0: movie or something. Which is like what that. everyone's doing, It. <laughs> which is literally, exactly. literally everyone. what everyone <laughs> is doing right before they go to bed. Okay, um, can you tell me a little more like how much light, how much is yeah. back? <laughs> yeah, so we have to think back.
1: You know, There was a time in history, believe it or not, where smartphones and things didn't exist. And so the only light... <laughs> The only light around us is from the sun. And the sun does have its own spectrums of colors. Mm -hmm. And blue light is part of the sun spectrum, but it's a light uh, color that comes out at high noon. And so what blue light does on a biological level is boost cortisol to make us more productive, to give us energy, to help us go throughout the day. So by the time the sun, you know, wanes into the sunset, the the light changes to where it's supposed to naturally start to soothe us and our body starts to produce the hormone melatonin, Mm -hmm. which is supposed to get us ready to fall asleep. So what happens though, if it's 10 o'clock at night and we're getting this blue light fix that we should have gotten at high noon, do you see how that, that doesn't work? So the solution here, they make blue light blocking glasses. They're literally like the easiest thing you can add in. Mm-hmm. So ideally at you know, seven, eight o'clock at night, you just put on these glasses. They're really cute. And you use those um, into <laughs> uh-huh. the night.
0: Yeah, no, that's fair. No, that's fair. Because like these things are new, right? Like our phones, <laughs> right? And I'm sure it's affecting us in so many different ways. And thank you for bringing that up because I'm sure there are a lot of people that are going to bed, you know, with their phones on or their laptops watching something, it's like common. Yeah. So, um, yeah, I yeah, keep that in mind. Keep that. In... <laughs> yeah.
1: especially if you struggled fall asleep. Yeah, that's big.
0: Mm-hmm. All right. Sounds good. All right. Cassandra, this is something, um, I wanted to ask you, but I guess now is the time to ask. Um, yeah. Tell us a little more about w, w- about what's happening, <laughs> like inside the woman, right. For educational purposes. <laughs> um, yeah. What, is, what is happening throughout the month? Yeah. Yeah.
1: So I'm more of like a, you want me to nerd out with you here?
0: Sure. No, no, please. No, please. Cause I, I mean, I'm trying to like, I don't know how often we're going to have a menstruation queen on the show. Right. <laughs> <laughs> I've only met one so far. So I really want, yeah, I really want you to dive, dive deep. Mm-hmm.
1: Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Well, that's a great question. So <laughs> if we think of your cycle as a 28 day cycle, mm-hmm that's that's like a baseline that's not necessarily the normal for everyone so hormonally there's a lot going on so when you menstruate what's happening there is your uterine lining starts to fall off and so if you didn't get pregnant in the last cycle then all that cushy nice soft spots start to fall off the uterine wall because that's what would have started to create a, a loving space for a baby to grow so if that didn't happen, then the uterus releases all of that. So you have things called prostaglandins, which start to contract and cause the uterus to release all of that down through the cervix and then out through the vagina. Um, so that's the first part of what's going on in your cycle. Mm-hmm. But then um, after you finish menstruating, your body starts to go into rebuild phase. So it says, well, we didn't get pregnant last month, but maybe this is the month, you know, mm-hmm. it's always trying to do the same thing. Um, So everything starts to build here. So your estrogen starts to increase really rapidly. Estrogen is kind of like the juicy, sexy hormone. And so if you have enough estrogen, you should have a good libido. You should feel embodied. You should feel really like a sensual woman. If You have low estrogen, then you probably don't want your husband to touch you. (laughs) So, um, at this time too, your body is starting to prepare one of your eggs to get ready for conception. So when a woman is born, she's born with a finite amount of eggs. So that's kind of an interesting thing. Yeah, so you're born with all the eggs you'll ever have, which is different to men, in that you're producing sperm all day long. Do you know you how many eggs? You know, so yeah. I, I believe it's something like when you are conceived, so like when you are in your mother's womb, you have 100 million eggs. By the time you are born, you only have a million eggs, and it rapidly decreases from there. I don't remember the exact number. I see. Mm-hmm. But, and that what's happening here is your body continues to throw out any egg that it feels like is not perfect. So it's, again, trying to find perfect, perfect DNA to mm-hmm. p- potentially pass on. And this decreases with age, which is why you know, there's the concern from some people that once they, say, hit 40, there's less viable eggs to go off of. So your body gets that one egg ready to release from the ovary into the fallopian tube. So by the time you are ovulating, that egg may be ready to actually be released, and it goes down into the fallopian tube for a maximum of 24 hours. That's it. 12 to 24 hours is all. It's pretty pretty extraordinary.
0: Pretty extraordinary.
1: (laughs) Yeah, yeah. Mm I actually remember being in like eighth grade or something and a teacher <laughs> saying something about this. And she said, it's really a miracle we're all here because really when you do look at how complicated all this is, yeah. you're like, yeah, <laughs> how did any of this happen? How are, how mm-hmm. do we exist mm-hmm. in that it had to just be the perfect timing mm-hmm. for any of us to yeah,
0: perfect timing. All right. Wow. Yeah. And then, wow. So 28 days is the usual cycle you said that's how it goes
1: ish. Yeah. Ish. All right. Yeah, it's mm-hmm. a little different for everyone.
0: Okay. Yeah. And, um, you said, so you have a limited amount of eggs, right? Mm-hmm. So that there's a time where you're probably running, you ran run out of eggs, right? Like in your mid forties or something like that. How does, yeah. Should women be more concerned about having later pregnancies, um, in 2020, yeah,
1: you know, I know, I know, like- I know a lot of women.
0: Yeah. A lot of women are trying like us men too. We're getting, you know, we're getting older. Uh, before we get married right and we have right like yeah so it's like my generation it's kind of strange if you're like 25 26 maybe you're married and you have a kid right (laughs) Right. um but in the past that was that was like you know when you were 18 19 you're already on it so exactly um how concerned should men and women be about this
1: well, for men, the nice thing is you can create babies till the day you die. So, but it is true in that your <laughs> sperm may not be quite as, you know, excellent as uh-huh. it would have been at a younger age. So do you want to have a child when you're 80? Maybe not because that <laughs> sperm's, you know, you seen better days maybe. But technically, yeah, a man can get a woman pregnant till the day he dies. Women are different though. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, there is that big concern about getting pregnant in our 40s in that our eggs are... far, you know, vastly reduced, and they may be less uh, optimal or less viable. However, I do think there's a large amount of fear. And if a woman has been really preparing her body for pregnancy and taking really good care of herself, eating really well, there are many women that have babies in their 40s that are very, very healthy. But for the, you know, maybe someone that's 42 and has never thought about her health and then suddenly decides she wants to get pregnant, then yes I would say that's going to be a more complicated pregnancy and something that she would need to, you know, monitor very very closely Um, And the chances of getting pregnant also diminish significantly as well. So I Have known people have babies in their mid 40s um, And then for most women by the time they hit the end of their 40s, they begin perimenopause where their body starts to prepare to end their menstrual cycles
0: Amazing. All right. Sounds good. Sounds good. And then after that, there's no getting a baby. No baby. No Mm -hmm. No baby. All right. All right. Um, (laughs) Sounds good. I want to talk to you more about um, hormones now that we talked about this, Um, artificial hormones and natural hormones. They're um, it's like a kind of controversial topic now that like young, some young women are taking different kinds of hormones to play with for many different reasons. Right. Um, What is the danger of taking hormones at a young age? Is there one, um, what, you know, how, if you do have a hormonal imbalance, what's the best way to Mm. fix it?
1: Yes. Mm -hmm. So uh, artificial hormones, especially like 10 years ago, were really, really big. So for women going through menopause, that was a big thing. Like, let's just load them up on estrogen and progesterone, and that's going to fix everything. No more hot flashes. We see this with fertility treatments. So women that are wanting to get pregnant and are you know struggling with that. Um, fortunately it's changed a lot in that we're doing less artificial hormones because we know that that doesn't have a good long-term outcome. Um, And there's also very, very few long-term studies that have ever even been done. And so we really don't know what's happening when we Mm -hmm. start to play God with these, these man-made hormones. So bioidentical hormones are becoming a lot more common now. Mm -hmm. And so these are hormones that ideally should be the exact same to the ones your body is making. So the, the idea is that hopefully then it won't cause a buildup of estrogen in the body. Hopefully it won't cause these long-term effects like artificial hormones did. It's still an area that you have to be very, very careful with. I wouldn't say this is a good idea for most people um, who say maybe just feel like they, they have symptoms of low progesterone. I would not just go to the health food store and buy progesterone cream. You know, like It's a more complicated process than that. So if done correctly, yes, it could help. Is there a time and place for it? Yes. With my clients, what we're usually looking at is where the hormone imbalance is coming from and then also how we can start to stimulate the body to produce more of that hormone. So rather than just saying you're low in progesterone, so here's more progesterone, to go back a step further and say, well, what's missing in the body for it to not be able to make this? And that's usually really simple stuff like B vitamins or can we give it something like an herb that will teach the body how to make progesterone again.
0: An herb? Does that makes sense? <laughs> no, <laughs> what kind of herbs are you talking about here?
1: So uh, you know, like herbal medicine. Um, mm-hmm. so like chaste tree berry is an mm-hmm. excellent one, for example, for people mm-hmm. that are low in progesterone. Um I herbal medicine is an extraordinary. Chaste
0: tree berry? Chaste,
1: chaste tree berry.
0: Chaste tree berry. I'm just want to I just want to look this up here. All right. Chaste mm-hmm. <laughs> tree berry you said uh-huh. all right and so this right here how does how does uh this help here This wonderful so, plant. Mm-hmm. yeah
1: what that does is it teaches your body how to make progesterone again and it's helpful too if you feel like you are taking progesterone supplements and things but you're not seeing a difference so this will also clear out your hormone receptors if they've been clogged say with cortisol
0: yeah. i see all right right yeah. all right sounds wow <laughs> all right other <laughs> than that are there any other like? foods or supplements that i'm sure there are things that we all need right but like for women specifically are there things that are helpful
1: yeah for women specifically one of the most important things nutritionally is to eat enough fats Mm-hmm. And it's counterintuitive because You're a lot right? of us yeah, everyone's like a fat free, fat.
0: yeah, fat <laughs> <Yeah. laughs> yeah. free diet. Uh, right. Okay, so what? Yeah.
1: Uh-huh. <laughs> so lots of good fats, but that that's the key word mm-hmm. here is good, good. fats. Mm-hmm. So coconut oil and olive oil and ghee and grass fed butter and you know stuff like that, not like what they're frying your French fries in at, at the fast food. Yes. <laughs> that's different body and a fat. Mm-hmm. It has the tools it needs to actually manufacture the hormones. So that's like the foundational first thing. So this is your permission to eat all the avocados and all the butter and uh, all the good grass-fed meats. And all that is, is really important. You're
0: ta- wait. <laughs> talking about like things that I eat, like when I meet a lot of women, not generalize, but like a lot of women don't eat a lot of meat. Yeah. From- my experience <laughs> and yeah. a lot of women don't like fat-fanning foods because it's fattening, right? So yeah. we tell me it's like the opposite kind of that you you need to you need these key pieces. Mm-hmm.
1: Yeah, especially the fat component. I mean, meats to each their own if someone feels like that doesn't work for them. I feel so much better when I eat red meat specifically. That's really nourishing for me. But but yes, at the the core minimum they have to be eating enough fats otherwise their hormones have nothing to go on. So mm-hmm. No more fat-free, full fats. Full fats.
0: On. Sounds good. All right. And, and meat, you said to, to each their own. Is there some like, things you've noticed from clients where like, meat has played an issue or not really?
1: Well, you no. know, I have a number of clients that are very um, like staunch vegans. Yeah. And mm-hmm. unfortunately, they also tend to be the people that are very low in iron. And therefore, their cycles are not very regular. Because if you mm-hmm. don't have enough iron, your body will stop menstruating because it doesn't have anything left to give. Um and that's always a tricky area to navigate because we can do other things plant based to support iron but sometimes honestly you do think like if you would just eat a steak you would feel <laughs> <all> so <the> better <laughs> yeah. yeah
0: All right yeah. Mm-hmm. amazing all right sounds good uh Cassandra we're kind of uh running out of time here but um is there yeah is there um anything else that um that I wouldn't know about <laughs> that the women the women go through that yeah just one more thing (laughs) Mm.
1: well if you're okay with it i'd love to like speak to the men and just give them like a little insight this will help their dating life immensely
0: tell us (laughs) cassandra how do we do it you can thank
1: me later (laughs) Um, (laughs) so if you're dating someone that has menstrual cycles really the hardest thing as a woman is being in a relationship with people that that are um I think it's a really gross thing, or are very like turned off by it, or even um, unkind about it. Mm -hmm. Because sometimes we feel like it's a burden that we have to carry, and so if our partner believes that too, it really becomes a hard thing, and then we're hiding it. And if you can do one thing for your partner, it would be to open up that space to just allow them to communicate what they're feeling. You don't need to be like 100% all vested in this, but just be open to to supporting them through that process. And if that means buying them, you know, a little um, piece of chocolate that, you know, they really like, or bringing them flowers on that day. Like that really will transform your quality of a relationship. If your partner feels like you understand what they go through on their cycle and have some level of support, I tell you that girl will be ready to marry you. So you're welcome.
0: Where's my mic here. Yeah. Amazing. Thank you, Cassandra. (laughs) Um, Yeah, no, I, I definitely like agree. Like (laughs) if you're, if men are happy and women are happy and healthy, right then all of us will be happy and healthy exactly. a great society live in. right um one second first time on the show just call all right sounds good and then yeah so how about we communicate how about we talk about each other how about we, we not make these things taboo especially yes. when it comes to health right just talk about it <laughs> stop exactly. being so scared of these things all right yeah and um Cassandra is there anything else you'd like to shout out anything else you'd like to say before we wrap up here
1: This has been so fun. I appreciate you being so open to talk about something that's probably a little out there. Mm
0: -hmm. Very much. So I've learned a lot, Cassandra. Thank you so (laughs) so much. Uh, You said you have anything. Is there anything you want us to tag, blow or?
1: Yeah, yeah. You can find me on Instagram Mm -hmm. at Mm -hmm. menstruationqueen or CassandraWilder.com.
0: Amazing. Thank you. All right. Check her out. Learn some more. Keep educating. And um, yeah, Cassandra, I'll um, thank you for coming on. And good day. Thank you.